Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslander. This message is from the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke and was preached on July 24, 2022. I have a simple thought that I want to start with today, and I really want you to understand it, so I'm going to explain it, add to it, but you need to catch the primary point today. Jesus is in the process of training you. How's the training going? Do you know what he's training you for? Are you passing the courses? Making progress? Are you ready for the next step? If you find out today what the next step is, will you be willing to take it? Because it's a simple truth. If we are believers in Jesus, we are in training. Jesus does much more than just save us. He constantly trains us for the next step in our discipleship. He's training us for a deeper level of godliness and integrity. He's training us as workers, leaders, spouses, parents, neighbors, servants, church members. He's training us to do His work in a God-honoring way that makes disciples of Jesus. So I want you to know, I really want you to know, that's my main point. I want you to know that Jesus is training you. I want you to know that so you'll pay attention to Him. I want you to know that so you will cooperate with Him. I want you to know that Jesus is training you so you can understand Him. For there will be some days in which He seems very much like a loving father and some days in which he seems very much like a hard-nosed drill instructor. He will do whatever is necessary in your life to train you and bring you to the next level. I want you to know that Jesus is training you so you will understand why you have challenges and difficulties, even tough ones. He allows those for us. I want you to be an eager learner and trainee, not a student who's just waiting for the three o'clock bell to ring or, or playing hooky for a while. Today's passage that we will look at in Luke chapter nine shows us how Jesus trained his disciples, and it will help us see how Jesus trains us. The passage we're going to read includes the the sending of the 12 out to preach. They had been with Jesus. Now he said, now it's your turn. Go and preach. It also includes the well-known feeding of the 5,000, which was also part of Jesus's training. Now his training for all of us is a little different, but the principles in his training to the disciples will correspond with the way that he trains us. So not only today, I want you to know that Jesus is training you for the next step. I want you to know how he trains people. So we're going to read Luke 9, 1 through 17, the training of the believers and disciples, the 12. Let's stand together as we read this. And not only is it the story of how he trained his 12 disciples, but it's an example of how he will train us. So Luke chapter 9, beginning with verse 1. When Jesus had called the 12 together... He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God 
and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was going on, and he was perplexed because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead, others that Elijah had appeared, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John. Who then is this I hear such things about? And he tried to see him. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. And then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. You may be seated. I want you to notice how Jesus trained the 12 disciples. The process he uses on you and I won't be exactly the same, but the principles of training that Jesus used for them will hold for us. So I'm going to break it down into seven stages of training that Jesus had used on the 12 up to this point in Luke chapter 9. For the first two, I'm going to back up a bit so you see the whole story. And then as we go through today's passage, I want you to remember the key point. You and I are in training. How does Jesus do that? And so I want to share you the seven stages that I see that Jesus used in the lives of the 12 disciples. And their training began with the call of Jesus. Back in chapter 5, I know we read this and studied this, but a reminder, in chapter 5, Peter, James, John, and Matthew heard the call of Jesus when he said, come, follow me. And they did. We don't know all the stories for all 12, but all of them went through something similar, follow me, and they all said yes. I want you to notice that the call to follow Jesus is more than a call to faith, more than a call to acceptance, more than a call to have their sins forgiven or receive eternal life. It included all those things and much more. The call to the disciples and the call he gives to you and I is come follow me. Live as I live, go where I go, say the things I say, teach what I teach, do as I do, love as I love, 
follow me. And your real training as a follower of Jesus begins when you say yes to that call. Not just, yes, I want my sins forgiven. I mean, who doesn't? Not just, yes, I want to go to heaven someday. Everyone does. Your real training and the work Jesus wants you to do begins when you say, yes, I will follow you. To those of you who believed in Jesus very young, like I did, I grew up in a family that believed in Jesus. I was always taught about Jesus. And very early on, I received Jesus was baptized into the church. But as I grew up, and this needs to happen to everybody, especially if you said, yes, Jesus, I believe in you young, there comes a time in which you recognize the call is deeper. It's not just to believe in Jesus, but to say yes to following Jesus. And so that's the first step in the training of the disciples. Peter, Andrew, James, John, leave your nets behind and come follow me. And they did. Matthew, also in Luke 5, leave your table and stop collecting taxes because I have something else for you. Come follow me. And he did. Now, I'm not telling you that Jesus will change your career or your place of business necessarily or where you live necessarily. But the training begins when you, in very uncertain terms, very clearly say, Jesus, yes, I will follow you. And so that's the first step of training. The second is the teaching of Jesus. And this occurred in chapters 5 through 8. From chapters 5 to 8, Jesus, if you'll notice, he asked very little of his disciples other than take in my teaching, travel with me, listen to me, watch me closely, see how I operate, see what I do, see what I say, see how I handle different situations. You said yes to following me, now learn from me to find out what that means. And so for for the rest of chapters 5, 6, 7, uh, and 8, Jesus hadn't sent them out, hadn't given them a whole lot of responsibility because the next step was they needed to learn. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Now now listen carefully. There was a time in which American culture very closely paralleled the Christian life. It does so no longer. And so the learning curve that you and I have as followers of Jesus is much greater. There is now a huge divide between what America says is the way to live and what Jesus said is the way to live. And so we have much to learn if we say yes to Jesus. We look at life differently, including our way of looking at family, at sex, at money, at work, at morality, at values, at faith, at eternity, at politics, at integrity, at ethics, and a much different approach to how we think about God. When we say yes to Jesus... And when we mean yes to Jesus, then we have enrolled in a great study in which we must learn everything we can about who Jesus is, who God is, and how he wants us to live. So a question for you. I want you to answer it, not out loud, but in your mind. 
What's your grade level right now in the things and ways of Jesus? Are you still in elementary school learning the basics? Have you made it to high school? Growing but not yet ready for real discipleship? Have you reverted to what often happens maybe about the sophomore year of college at a party school where you're supposedly learning but really just having fun? Are you ready for postgraduate studies? You've mastered the basics and you're ready to lead others. Generally speaking, my impression of the church is we have way too many four-year-old third graders. So where are you? Because there's a lot to learn, especially today when it comes to following Jesus. So all of this occurred before today's passage, the call of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus. I don't want you to think that that the teaching of Jesus is going to take you a lifetime because too many people have been learning since they were 14. They're now 74, and they still haven't stepped forward to the next stages. Jesus did all this in the lives of his disciples in about six to nine months. And then after the call of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus, we get to today's passage where we see the gifting of Jesus. Jesus gave them power, verse 1 says, Jesus gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them out to preach and to heal and to cast out demons, but he did not send them out without the ability to do so. We'll get to the sending of Jesus next, but notice that when he sent them to do a job, he gave them what was necessary to do the job. And so for the first time in their lives, and it must have scared them to death when they first stood before a crowd, they were fishermen, tax collectors, and preached. When they did what Jesus did and said to a demon, get out of him, was there fear? Is it really going to go? When they knelt and prayed and asked someone to be healed, Did they wonder, is this going to happen? But they found Jesus gave them the power to do what they had been called to do. Listen, Jesus does the same for us. When he gives us a job, he gives us the right combination of abilities, skills, and gifts to do what is necessary. Oh, it will challenge us. It may scare us. It may stretch us. But he will not leave us unable to do what he calls us to do. So if he calls you to teach, he will give you the ability to understand the word and communicate it to others. You will have to work at it. Teaching does not come for most people, even those with gifting, automatically. You got to study, you got to work, you got to think, you got to prepare, you got to come to class with a lesson ready to go. But he'll give you the ability to do that if that's what he's called you to do. If he gives you the ability to show incredible mercy and compassion to people going through hard times, he'll give it to you. It will stretch you. You will hear stories of hurting people that absolutely amaze you, scare you, drive you to your knees. But you'll be able to do it because God gives you that ability. 
If he gives you a special ability to be generous in helping others or to bless the church, he will give you the resources you need to do so. It will be, in part, a sacrifice. But God never calls anybody to do. He never calls anybody to do something that he has not given them the ability to do. And so you see, the call of Jesus, followed by the teaching of Jesus, followed by the gifting of Jesus, and then step four is kind of the moment of truth. Many of you, by the way, are ready for it. It is the sending by Jesus. It's the moment in which you move from attending to working, from learning to doing, from practicing to starting the game. It's like the moment when a student nurse meets with her first patient without an instructor there. It's like when a new mechanic is left alone to diagnose a, a customer's issue all by himself. It's when a new chef caters their very first meal. It's not yet necessarily full graduation, but it's the transition from learning to doing. You've been with me six months, nine months, Peter, James, John, Andrew, and all the rest of you now go. And sadly, in today's world, many church attenders never move from sitting to working. I mean, think of the disciples. What if Peter had said, I don't know, because we don't have it in the book, but what if Peter had said to Jesus, I'm not ready? Or what if Andrew had said, that preaching thing, that's not my job? What if James the Less, you remember James the Less? He is maybe the least famous of all the disciples. There's not a word or an action recorded in the entire Bible by him. What if James the Less said, Jesus, I haven't spoken a word and no one even remembers that I'm a disciple. I can't do it. But they didn't say that. Because they had accepted the call, they'd been taught, they'd been gifted, and so they went. So are you ready? Because there comes a time in which everybody has to make that decision. I'm not just a church attender, I'm a disciple. I don't just sit in a pew, I work. I don't just come, I do. We have openings right now in our food distribution on Wednesdays, the first Wednesday of every month. We have openings in Sunday school to teach. We need some additional cooks on Wednesday night. We need basketball coaches and referees. We need nursery workers, accompanists, receptionists, greeters, inviters, frontline personal evangelists. The worker list is wide open. I want you to ask today when we get to the prayer time, what is Jesus sending you to do? Because that's how he trains. He calls you, he teaches you, he gifts you, and then he sends you out. So have you asked Jesus, hey, what's my role? You've trained me as a church member. I've been coming, I've been listening, I've been worshiping. Maybe even I've been going to class. What am I called to do?
That's the next step for many of you. Number five reminds us that the training includes trusting in Jesus and doing it his way. Listen, the disciples were not sent out on an all-expenses-paid mission trip. It was a no-expenses-paid mission trip. And what you have, you can't even take, he told them. So take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave. If people do not welcome you, leave their town. He sent them without a dollar and without supplies. But promised them you will be taken care of. In some places, you will find good people to help you. In other places, you will find you are not welcome at all. But go and trust that I will take care of you. Listen, that's part of God's work. It is not always easy, but you trust. He gives us the tools. We often get help in unexpected places. And we keep going, not because of the pats on the back or the benefits of the job, because there will be days in which no one listens. We go because God called us and we trust that somehow he's going to take care of me and his work. It will be for his glory, even if I personally never see it. When pastors gather, and we do occasion. When we gather, there's always three kinds in any group. They're the excited ones, and they can't just wait to tell their story. Man, it's going great. We're growing and baptizing, and money is flowing like water, and God is at work. It's great being a pastor. And then there are the less excited ones, but they say what they've been taught. God's at work, but they don't give any details. And then I respect sometimes most deeply the quiet but honest ones. The people are mad because of something I said and taught them. Workers are quitting. Money is tight. We haven't baptized in months. And they keep going not because they see God at work, but because they trust him. God called. They answered. And they trust that I'm going to keep doing what God tells me to do until he tells me to do something else. And I deeply respect them and admire them. It's easy to be a pastor when everybody's patting you on the back and telling you how great your sermon was and you see an attendance climb every week and you baptize every week and the people are in love with you. It's much more difficult, but Jesus told his disciples, listen, there'll be towns you go into and, and, and no one listens to you at all. That's the nature of the Christian life. We do it in part because Jesus is teaching Trust me. Trust me. Do what I tell you to do. Do what I tell you to do. Do what I tell you to do. And trust that I know what I'm doing. Even if sometimes you don't see me at work.
But trust me that when you send out my word, it's going to have an impact on someone, something. Because God's word is powerful. So, so it's training his disciples. The call of Jesus, the, the teaching of Jesus, the gifting of Jesus, the sending by Jesus, the trusting in Jesus. And then step six is a little different but necessary. And you see the withdrawal with Jesus. After intense work, towns with many converts, many healings, many victories over evil, and others coming back worked just as intensely and said, no one listened. The disciples came back together with Jesus for a short time to rest, evaluate, and pray. They didn't get much time. Because the crowds found out where they were and followed them. But everybody involved in God's work needs time. A few hours, a few days, a vacation in which they can get away with Jesus, think, pray, talk to him, and be recharged. What's the old saying? It's about Jack, by the way. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Ever heard that one? It's also true. All work and no pray makes Jack an ineffective preacher or worker or teacher or witness or parent or spouse or whatever. We need to, on a regular basis, take time to be honest with Jesus. I don't know what all happened, but I kind of imagine, hey, Peter, how did it go? James, this was your first time. We hadn't heard you say anything, but you got up in front and you preached. How did it go? Matthew, you're a tax collector. I sent you out to heal people. How did that go? And then they talked about it and they prayed about it. And some were probably as excited as can be. The other gospels tell us they came back saying, man, even the demons listened. And others were as discouraged as can be. And they spent some time with Jesus. Listen, on a regular basis, you cannot be effective at what Jesus called you to do in your family, in your church, in your business, in your neighborhood, unless you take some time to be with him and be honest. With just you and Jesus, you don't have to say the things you say at church. Man, God, it's great. Everything's at work. It's better sometimes to just be honest. God, I don't know. It ain't working. No one's listening. I'm having trouble. This thing is hard. It's tough. I think both of those things happened with the disciples. And Jesus used it to bring them back down to earth if their head was getting too big and to lift them up if they were discouraged. And then number seven, this rest time was followed immediately by the challenge of Jesus. Listen, crowds gathered where they were. Notice our passage says, There were 5,000 men. We often call this the feeding of the 5,000. It was many more than 5,000 people. That means 5,000 men and their families. So if you want to know how many Jesus fed, take your family, multiply it by 5,000. I get a huge astronomical number, but but you get the picture there. There There was a huge number of people there, and the disciples were beginning to see problems. We're in the middle of nowhere. There's no food. There's no place for these people to sleep. Maybe they were slipping notes to Jesus. 
Jesus, can you get to the, and all the people said amen, so they have time to go home? Or maybe to the Capernaum Chick-fil-A if it wasn't a Sunday? Or the Tiberius Taco Time if it's a Tuesday? I mean, Jesus, send them home. And then listen to what Jesus said to them. You give them something to eat. Holly, you're a cook and a good one. I've invited Avondale at 12 o'clock. There'll be 25,000 people here. Feed them. No, 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 no. Not until I say it and all the people said. Okay, you can. And you got no money. And you got no time. What Jesus did was he gave them a challenge. They had no food. And if they'd had the money, there was nowhere there to buy it. He was giving them a task that was both challenging and really impossible without a miracle. You give them something to eat. I can imagine. Scripture doesn't tell this. so This is just kind of my imagination. You know, the disciples kind of looking at each other. Peter, you're in charge. <laughs> yeah, you've always had the big mouth. Now nah, I'm expecting good things from you. Just tell us what to do, Peter. Judas was the keeper of the money bag, and he's. We got 750 with a decimal point in there. And we got to feed 20,000 people. And there's no stores, and there's no herds. Somebody tell Jesus this is impossible. And they began to look, and maybe Jesus even sighed when they began to make excuses. And so again, he taught them the lesson of trust. Okay, arrange them in groups of 50. Have them sit down. And, and, and here's the little bit of food we have, the five loaves and the two fish. And he prayed, and he blessed it, and he began to hand it out. And to their amazement, everybody not just was fed. Did you notice where it said everybody was satisfied? It takes a lot to satisfy some people. I got nine kids. My grocery bill was incredible, and it was mostly because of the two boys. <laughs> it took a lot to satisfy them. But all of them were satisfied. And there were 12 basketfuls of food left over. They learned again, I need to do what Jesus tells me to do. And he will provide a way as long as I trust him. And they learned again. And if they had just flat out refused, they never would have seen the miracle of God. Or at least they would have had no hand in it themselves. So when was the last time? Think about it. When was the last time? You accepted a challenge from God that scared you to death and that seemed impossible. That may be the next step in your training. And so instead of the excuses, I can't do that, that won't work, it's impossible. The next step may be all over again. Jesus called me to do it. I'm going to do it. 
That's the steps that Jesus uses in training people. He calls you. He teaches you. He gifts you. He sends you. He teaches you to trust him. Gives you time to withdraw with him and rethink. And then he starts all over by challenging you to the next step. So I want you to think about your training. That was the training of the 12. Your training. And I'm asking you to accept your calling. Now, this may be the first time, it may be the 75th time in which you're telling Jesus, yes, I do believe in you. And I'm saying yes to I will follow you. Not just I want to go to heaven, I want my sins forgiven, I want to be accepted, I want to be baptized. I'm saying yes, I will follow you. Now if you've never done that before and this is the first time, we, we, we'd want to hear from you, we'd want to counsel you, we'd want to baptize you, but we also want you to know it's more than just being baptized. It's following Jesus. And so I'm asking you today to specifically pray and use the word yes. I will follow you. Not only say that if you mean it, but accept that call. I know you've called me. I will follow you. And then number two, take the next step in your life. Maybe you're a brand new believer and you need to be trained and instructed. Man, join a class. Read the Bible. Learn. Don't go on the 20-year plan. Jesus trained his disciples in six to nine months, and then they were out on the field. It may be that you've been trained and you know the word fairly well, and you're ready to say, okay, I'm accepting a job. Man, come forward and let us know. I don't always know what God is calling you to do. So you think God is calling you, say so. I think God wants me to teach. I think God wants me to work in basketball. I think God wants me to cook. I think God wants me to be in the counseling team. I think God wants me to do this, that, or the other thing. Listen, it's up to you, not me. It's up to you, not me. It's up to you, not me, to accept the call of Jesus and move forward. And then you take that next step, whatever it is. Okay, God's been leading me to do something, and I'm absolutely scared to death. This is going to take a miracle. Maybe God's saying, say yes. Say yes and trust me. I want you to stand and pray. And as part of your conversation with Jesus, I want you to use the word yes. Let's stand. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net. And you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.